So here's what we miss when we don't read this gospel in one continuous flow. Jesus has asked all of his disciples, who do people say that I am? You remember that lesson from Caesarea Philippi? What does Peter say? First one, blah, blah, I'm, I'm just going to talk. Blah. What does he say? You're the Messiah. The son of the living God. And Jesus says, what is he giving the highest compliment a rabbi can give a disciple? Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. In other words, there's no way you could have known that. My father in heaven, he, he told that to you. You know how I know Peter had no clue what he was saying? Because five minutes later, he goes, Jesus, you can't do that. You just, you better start rebuking him. That's how he doesn't have a clue who Jesus is. Because if he really believed he was the anointed one, the Messiah, he never would have started rebuking Jesus. Do you see why Jesus said, my, you didn't come up with that. Oh my gosh, my, God gave that to you. And Peter's like, what? Huh? What? What time is it? He just starts, blah, blah, blah. So Peter blurts this out. Remember, you're the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, oh, this is so cool. Peter got it right, but not because he reasoned it out. Not even because he understood what he's saying. Peter got it right because God gave it to him. This much is clear, right? We can be 100% certain that Peter did not understand what he was saying because five minutes later, he's rebuking Jesus. But now, how does he answer the tax collectors? Does your rabbi pay the temple tax? Yes, 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 he does. He doesn't even think about it. He just, bleh. okay? When he comes in, Jesus is so awesome. Pedro, what's up, buddy? Hey, um, quick question for you. Peter's like, am I in trouble? Click, closes the door. He says, from whom do the kings of the earth take their toll or tax from their sons or from others? And Peter says, from others? In other words, would a king tax his own son? Does the son have to pay taxes? No. So who does he take tax from? His sons or other people? Other people, his subjects. And Jesus says, ah, I see. Do you see? Not yet. It's cool. Here we go. Jesus says, so the sons are free? And Peter says, yeah. To bring it all home. Peter, if you instinctively know that the kings of the earth don't tax their own sons, but the sons are free, even though Jesus did not say it, everyone heard it, then how much more exempt would the son of the king over all the earth be exempt from paying the tax? My dear Simon, do you not yet know who I am? Maybe this will help. Go to the sea, cast a line, and the first fish that comes up, open its mouth. You'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Now I'd like to suggest that Jesus did not do miracles for wow factor. Jesus was not into, ooh, you're so neat. <laughs> Jesus did miracles for one reason and one reason only. God gave him the power to do miracles to establish a new teaching, to establish his authority. That's why Jesus did miracles. 
It wasn't to keep people following him around. Let's see the next new trick. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. That is not why Jesus did miracles. I would like to suggest that the coin that was found in the fish's mouth was not a miracle. Like you and me think of miracles. I think of a miracle. I can't see. And Jesus says, hey, I can see. I mean, just, wow, that's so cool. That's so amazing. God says, pillar of fire. Pillar of cloud. Red sea. Dry land. Just look at me. I'm so powerful. I'm the man. This is not to take anything away from Jesus' action. On the contrary, I have said this in this study the whole semester. Jesus' power was not his own. It derived explicitly from God the Father. So should I think that God performed a miracle by placing a coin in a fish's mouth? There's a coin. Hang on. I know that's silly, but think about this. I am obliged to say God did not do that. If the purpose of the miracle is not didactic, that means it's, if it's not to teach, then what's the purpose? It's to, ooh, wow, that's awesome. See, I think the purpose of the miracle is didactic. It means it is to teach. The miracle teaches. What does it teach? That's what we're going to find out right now. The purpose of the miracle was to teach, which is more impressive. God to cause a two drachma coin to pop into a fish's mouth out of nothing or the alternative. What's the alternative, Mr. Dean? Let's talk about that. Because guys, if God's intention was for people to go, wow, there's a coin in that fish's mouth, it would have been just as impressive for God to make a coin pop into Peter's pocket. Well, oh my God, how did you do that, Jesus? It would have even been more impressive for Peter to be like, well, I guess the sons are exempt. And Jesus says, very well answered, my son. Look at that, that's a coin. Oh my God. That would have been a cool miracle. But notice how God doesn't do that. What's the miracle about? This is what's so cool. I can't wait. Okay, I gotta get it there. Okay. What is the question? That Jesus asked Peter. Do, kings Do the kings of the earth tax their sons or others? Do the kings of the earth tax their sons or others? Do the kings of the earth tax their sons or, or do they tax others? And Peter instinctively says they tax others. And Jesus says, so the sons are free from the tax? Yeah, I guess so, Jesus. Where are you going with this? Which shows the king over all the earths dominion, power, majesty, more. You decide. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat and a coin pops into a fish's mouth that Peter catches or that when God slung the stars into the expanse of the universe, he would know that 3,000 years from now, that fish would be born from that egg And that at that moment, when that fisherman leaned over to pull up his net, that coin fell out of his pocket and went in the water. And that fish that saw that lure, that shiny thing, went and it lodged in his gill, didn't kill him, 
but it didn't go through his digestive system. It's stuck in his gill. That that God knew that 3,000 years later, that fish out of 10 million fish would take that bait on Peter's hook at that exact moment in time. You decide which one shows that I am king over all the earth. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat or I've been tracking a fish since before the sun was lit. And I'm telling you, go cast your line and the first fish you catch, it's gonna have a coin lodged in its mouth. Take that and give it to them. Why? Because we don't want to offend them. What do you mean? Who is God? He's king over all the earth. Do the sons have to pay taxes then? No, so, oh, I told those guys that you did have to pay the tax. And Jesus says, I know, but who am I? You're the son of the king over all the earth, so you shouldn't have to pay the tax then, right? And Jesus is right, but I don't want to offend him. So let's, let's, let, let's pay the tax anyways, but notice how it's not going to come from me. And you know what's cool? You know what a PS to this story is? Who else doesn't have to pay the tax? Peter, which means Peter is what? He's a son of God too, isn't that cool? Not only am I the son of God, you're a son of God. I'm a son of God, you're a son of God. And can you imagine Peter when he, my rabbi's crazy, man. I gotta get this bait and put my, are you, are you stinking kidding me? Oh my gosh, it's one shekel. The temple tax is half a shekel. That one coin pays for me and for Jesus. Do you think Peter walked back to the house that day and thought about Jesus' question? He really is the son of the king over all the earth. And I get to follow him around. I get to be in his band of disciples. Tell me, Hebrew Roots, what has changed in 2,000 years? Do you get to follow around the son of the king over all creation? For some reason, Jesus bent down and he looked you in the eye and he said, I think you can be like me. You want to follow me? Gee, I don't. Jesus, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I I don't. But what? I, I really think you can do this. Okay. Follow me. Okay. What did we talk about in chapel today? You know what I asked my group? Why is it hard to follow Jesus? Oh, it's hard because this, hard because this. I said, you know why I think it's really hard? And this is going to hurt. How many of you read your Bible? How many of you have read the four Gospels one time in the last year? Nobody raised their hand. In the last five years, nobody raised their hand. How many of you have ever read the four Gospels? One or two. I said, how could you possibly know Jesus well enough to be like him if you don't read the stories about his life? And one kid, seventh grader, was brave enough to say, it's because we've heard stories about him our whole lives. And I said, all 12 years? (laughs) No, I didn't say that. But um, can you imagine? That's why I don't have to read the Bible, Mr. Dean. That's how I know Jesus is I've been told the stories. I said, really? So tell me what Caesarea Philippi is about. Crickets were. I said, cool. Well, tell me about the coin in the fish's mouth. What's that about? 
I've heard this story. I said, great, that's fantastic. What's it about? Oh. <laughs> Tell me about the Syrophoenician woman who's healed. Tell me about the man that gets spit on and, and is partially healed and then he's healed in a second stage fully. Tell me what that is. And I said, do you understand how you have no idea who Jesus is? Because all you've done is heard stories about him. How could you possibly follow him? How could you possibly follow his example when you don't even know him? And I said, does that hurt? And they're like, yeah. And I said, what do you think you need to do? I need to read the Bible. I told them, if you guys, you seventh and eighth graders who think the Bible is boring, you're in good company because so did I. I said, but if you want to know what it means and how awesome it is, just let me know. Come see me. I didn't plug Hebrew roots. I didn't plug some sort of Bible study for the whole school. Look at me. I'm righteous, Mr. Dean. I'm going to study the Bible with all these peons. <laughs> I didn't do that. I just said, look, if you want to know how awesome the Bible is, I can show you. I can show you some things. I can, I can help you. Now, will anybody come and see me? I don't know. Probably not. That's okay. But that's what breaks my heart is it's hard to follow Jesus when we don't know him. But guys, you and me follow the son of the king of all creation who can track a fish for thousands of years. That's why when people, I love to, and by the way, next time somebody's talking to you about Jesus, say, hey, I got a question for you. How did the coin get the fish's mouth? And I bet you nine out of 10 people say, well, Jesus did that miracle. And this smile curls on your lips and he thinks, do you realize if Jesus does the miracle, he has negated, that means nullified the entire teaching. But the fact that God does the miracle and God lets Jesus know, you're my son. And guess what? I'm going to tell you something. Tell Peter to go cast this fish, you know, his, his line in the water, the first fish he catches is going to have a shekel in it. And Jesus goes, are you kidding me? Said, I'm not kidding. It's going to be awesome. And Jesus goes, okay, Peter, listen. <laughs> go fishing, dude. Go fishing. And Peter goes, okay. Can you imagine the joy? You guys, Jesus is a human. And when Peter comes back in and goes, Rabbi, there was really a coin in there. Oh my gosh. And do you think Jesus went, I know. I have known this for all eternity. No, he went, are you kidding me? That is so cool. So how did it go? He's like, well, I put it in there and I felt it. And then I pulled it out. I'm like, there's no way. Like, because Peter doesn't believe that Jesus is a God. He thinks he's a rabbi. He thinks he's human. And he's thinking, there's no way. How's he going to do this? Like, this is crazy. You know, in the last time a uh, miracle happened, over oh, 400 years ago. There's no way. And Peter's like, there's no way. There's no way. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. God, you, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he starts crying. There's no way. And he pulls this coin out. And Jesus is so excited for him. Isn't that cool? Yeah. See, that's Jesus with us. He's that excited. But we make him, uh, uh, I knew you were going to pray that. No, Jesus is human. He's still human. Right now, Jesus is human. And he is so pumped every time you say, you know what, let's do the right thing. Path is wide. Let's do the narrow path today. Jesus, yes, that is, uh, I wish I could high five, but I'm in another dimension. Uh, you know, and you're like, oh, that's our Lord. Isn't this an awesome, powerful lesson? Because it reminds us, you are following the son of the king of the universe and so am I. And we're bros and we're sisters. And, well, okay, I'm not your sister, but we're bros, brothers and sisters. Now, do you remember our conversation? I think, and you can tell me, and I need some people to push back on this. If Jesus is human right now, which according to scripture he is, not only is he human, he will forever, 
He gave up his godness. He put on flesh, became human. He's never going back. He doesn't get to go, okay, that was cool. I did the whole earth thing. Now I'm gonna go back to being the word. Jesus gave up his godhood for you. He took on the the flesh of a servant. He became a human for you. He thought, I want to do this and I don't, I'm never going. God said, you're never going back. We can't undo this. And Jesus said, I know. That's how much I love him. I want to be one of them. I'm not just going to die on the cross and save him. I'm going to be one of them. And God says, forever? And Jesus said, wait a minute, for what? How long? <laughs> God said, this is forever. I can't undo it. Yes. You sure? Yes. Okay, you're going you're gonna to be born just like a human. You're going to live just like a human and you're going to feel every ounce of pain that they ever give you. And Jesus said, okay, let's do it. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back as a human, not as a God. And there's some clues there. We talked about this. I think it'd be cool if it was on the podcast. If Jesus is human, and he is in his resurrected body right now, there's some clues there as to what our resurrected bodies will be like. What did Jesus do when the doors were closed and all the disciples were praying? And and, and the author goes to great lengths to tell us that the room, the doors were locked from the inside. What does Jesus do? He walks right through the wall and appears in the midst of them. And he says, Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to all of you. And then he blows on them. You think that's so weird. He's blowing out the Holy Spirit over all of them. And after they cleaned out their shorts, <laughs> because Jesus just popped into existence right in front of me. Love causality. Oh my gosh. Like, whoa, this can't happen. Jesus says, you think I'm a ghost? And they said, yes, we know you're a ghost. He says, go get me something to eat. I'll prove I'm not a ghost. So they go get him some fish. He eats the fish and it does not flop out on the floor through his ethereal body. He says, mmm, yummy. That was good. That landed right in my human stomach right after it went down my human esophagus. And I chewed it up with my human teeth. And mmm, good job, James. That was a season just right. Black and trout, love it. And they all went, you gotta be kidding me. There is no way. And Jesus said, yeah, there is. And he disappears. Now, if Jesus' body is a resurrected human body, could that mean that when you and me get our resurrected human bodies, we'll be able to walk through solid objects? Jesus could. Again, if you think that Jesus is God, he can do special stuff that you can't. That's great. I don't. What's something else Jesus could do? He could fly. He could apparently shapeshift. He could change the appearance of his face so that people didn't recognize him. Either that or what's the other alternative? There's only two. Either he really did change the appearance of his face or he could, he had telepathic powers where he could cause their perception of his appearance to change. Kind of like the miracle of the speaking of the different languages in Acts 2. Did Peter really get up there and speak Greek or Cretan? Or Mesopotamian? Did, did he really speak those words? Or did he speak Hebrew, Aramaic, and people heard in their own language? I don't know, but I know one of the two things happened, and I don't know which one it was. 
What did you say, Michaela? His resurrected body? How do you know that? Where do you get that from? He ascended into the clouds before their very eyes. Remember what the disciples were doing when the angels said, hey, fellas, what are you doing? They were staring up into heaven. Why are you looking up there? He's because Jesus just flew up there. Man, I can't believe it. He says, yeah, well, the same way you saw him go, that's how he's coming back. So apparently, Jesus' resurrected new human body is not subject to gravity or any of the laws that govern this physical world. Have you ever wanted to fly? Have you ever had a dream that you could fly? Guys, I think there's a reason God puts some of those things in our hearts because he says, it's coming. Can you imagine? Just, oh, wouldn't that be so cool? And um, by the way, if Jesus ate something with a resurrected human body, this is my favorite part. You can have flying. What about shape-shifting? Yeah, I'll even give up shape-shifting. How about apparating? Just, just materializing. Yep, you can have that one too. Do I get to eat? <laughs> yes, I get to eat. So how many flavors are there on planet Earth in this present? There's probably a million, a billion. God says, all physical things are simply a shadow of things to come. Because I love me some Thai food. I cannot think of anything more delicious than Thai food, but God says, oh, Thai food, just a shadow of things to come. How about a filet? How about a perfectly seasoned and perfectly cooked medium? <laughs> See, Michaela gets excited. Filet. God says, oh, that's a shadow. Yeah, it's got to be a little pink in the center. A little bit of red. A little bit of red. Guys, you tell me, what else could Jesus do as a resurrected human that was kind of amazing? What else could Jesus do as a resurrected human that was pretty amazing? Okay, maybe the answer to that question is, Mr. Dean, there's nothing more. But maybe the answer is, Mr. Dean, I haven't read the Gospels enough post-resurrection to really be familiar with what Jesus said and did after his resurrection. So maybe I should go home and read those things so that I know and I can better answer the question, this is what else I'll get to do. Paul is then going to pick up what's going to be our resurrected bodies. He's going to write that in the Corinthian letter. He's going to tell them this is what it's like. Does Jesus have one nature or does he have two? And does it matter? I think it does. You have one nature. Guess which one it is? Human. Jesus, do you know what he did? He kept his divine nature and over the top of it, he wrapped a human nature. And he is the new man. So I wonder if we're going to keep our human nature, but over the top of it, God's going to give us a divine nature or inside of it. It's, there's other things out there you guys need, just like I do. We need to read our Bibles so we can know our Jesus, so we can even know the gifts and the promises that are coming to us. Isn't that exciting? Merry Christmas. <laughs> you get a human, you get a new nature. I do, yes, you'll be able to fly. I mean, I can't think of a better present. Question, I could see it. You were like, Bleh. So you think whenever Jesus returns, he's going to look exactly the same? Wow. You know, so John chapter 20 or 21, Jesus is on the beach. He's got some coals, hot coals. He's got some fish broiling on it. And he says, hey, fellas, catch anything? <laughs> he knows these are the worst fishermen in the whole country. They never catch a single fish that Jesus doesn't put in there. And they're like, no. 
And then somebody says, is that the Lord? I don't think so. And he says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they're like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like, it's Jesus, right? They only know him through the miracle. 153 fish. That's a question I have. Why 153? Uh I wonder if that's important. Important. Well, is the Pope Catholic? Yep. Oh, I bet 153 is important. Do you know what it means? Why not? kind of cool. Okay, any other questions, comments, concerns, complaints, conundrums? Do you think Jesus walking on water had something to do with <sighs> Okay, so he was not resurrected then. So, for him to walk on water would have had to be a non-natural miracle where God provided a temporary suspension of his natural and physical laws. Um, Because there's one way Jesus could have walked on water if he were running fast enough. We know, right? If he could run at about 300 miles an hour, he could have run across the water. So could you. Uh, I can't run 300 miles an hour. Like 260 is my my top. But um, no, so that's a non-natural. There are a few miracles in the Bible where God has to absolutely either break or totally suspend his. But my, uh, a different question, a really interesting question is why? Why walk on water in the first place? If miracles are not to, ooh, wow, you're amazing. If miracles are to establish the word of God or a new understanding of the word of God, why walk on water? That's an odd one. In fact, you know, it'd be a cool study. Go through and label all the miracles. There's only four books. Label all the miracles and then figure out why each one. Tell me how much you would learn about Jesus Christ if you knew why he did each miracle. And guess what? Here's what I think. Here's to to give you a little teaser. I think every single miracle, in fact, I'm absolutely sure that every single miracle that is done by Jesus is tied to a story in the Old Testament. It's tied to a teaching in the Old Testament. Every single one. Pretty cool. So I have one more question. Yes, sir. So in Revelation chapter 19, you remember hearing about the writer on the white Yes. Do you think that that's Jesus? Let's see. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Do you think it's Jesus? Yeah. I absolutely know that's Jesus. Now, that's a picture. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the reality, but it's at least a vision that John said, and God said, look, I'm going to speak to the prophet in ways he can understand. So he's going to see this picture, and he's going to say, do you know the red dragon? And wait till Monday. Just wait till Monday till you see this video I'm going to show you. It is going to blow your mind on, on revelation and on pictures forevermore. It's going to change everything you think, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, that was just a picture. So yeah, I don't know that he's really going to show up on a white horse and have like white hair. And I think all of that is tied. It would be. But go read Daniel seven. Read Daniel chapter seven and tell me that John wasn't inspired by by Daniel seven. 